you, baby. Thank you so much. All right, praise the Lord. God is good. Can you say that? God is good. Well, I want us to read the scripture together, so let's all stand. We're gonna, they're going to put it up on the screen for us. And I want you to read this verse in unison with me. 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Okay, are you ready? Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet appeared. Let's go back. Go back to the scripture. Where's the scripture? Slide 2. You got it now? All right, now we're, now we're loosened up. We're ready to go. Let's say it now. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Lord Jesus, we've come into this place to hear your word. Your word is truth. And so, Father, help us to receive the Holy Spirit. Unlock this passage for us. And Lord, I pray that today we will be filled with the hope of Jesus, that we will be transformed and raised from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you can sit down. I was running some errands on one Saturday between the Christmas break, and I happened to have the radio on, and the program that caught my attention was Radio Lab, and they were airing a broadcast from January 2014 since it was the holiday, which was part of their Black Box series, and it was hosted by Molly Webster entitled Goo and You. That was the name of the program. I was totally captivated by it. It was one of those, I've arrived at my destination, but I cannot get out of this car yet moments. It was so good. It was about the caterpillar's transformation through the chrysalis and emergence as a magnificent butterfly. I sat there listening in awe, totally mesmerized by the whole project. And it got me to thinking about our own transformation, our own resurrection that's to take place. But I didn't get very far into that thought before I was asking myself, who is even excited about this. I mean, really, when was the last time you even heard a message about the resurrection of the dead that wasn't at a funeral? For real, when was the last time you even thought about it or even thought, this is supposed to excite me? We have lost something important. The world we live in has twisted off our heads, stuck them back on upside down and backwards. It's made us scoff at the whole notion since resurrection in our time is all about zombies. You know what I mean? I mean, really, hope in the resurrection of the dead? Something precious has been lost, and I hope to recover it for us today because our hope is anchored in the resurrection of the dead. In traditional historic Christian theology, it's not been anchored in belief in heaven, our victory over sin, our times of worship together, or even our own salvation experience. Now, sure, we get joy out of those. We get fulfillment. We get inspiration. We feel love. But our hope is anchored in this future event, this future resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, if you have the text, please open it up. You'll also be able to see it on the screen. Paul goes into rather extravagant links to express the source for the believer's hope. 
For without it, he states, we're miserable people. Verse 12, 1 Corinthians 15. Now let me ask you something profound yet troubling. If you became believers because you trusted the proclamation that Christ is alive, risen from the dead, how can you let people say that there is no such thing as the resurrection? If there's no resurrection, there's no living Christ. And face it, if there's no resurrection for Christ, everything we've told you is smoke and mirrors. And everything you've staked your life on is smoke and mirrors. Not only that, but we would be guilty of telling a string of bare-faced lies about God. Verse 16, if corpses can't be raised, then Christ wasn't because he was indeed dead. And if Christ weren't raised, then all you're doing is wandering about in the dark as lost as ever. It's even worse for those who have died hoping in Christ's resurrection because, they've all, because they're already in their graves. If all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, then we're a pretty sorry lot. But the truth is that Christ has been raised up, the first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. Now, Paul concludes they are miserable people if there's no resurrection. But I would go so far as to proclaim that without this hope, without the hope in it right now of the resurrection of the dead, we end up being miserable people in every part of our lives and to everyone around us. No, no wonder people are hesitant to come into the church and accept. They look at us and this is what we look like. We look like the walking dead, but we ought to be alive knowing that something is about to take place. Let's read on further. Verse 35, some skeptic is sure to ask, show me how the resurrection works. Right, they always talk like that. <laughs> Give me a diagram. Draw me a picture. What does this resurrection body look like? Well, if you look at the question closely, says Paul, you realize how absurd it is. There are no diagrams for this kind of thing. Nevertheless, he still tries to paint us a picture. Now, Paul uses an agrarian metaphor from a dead seed to a living plant to demonstrate this amazing process. So we'll read on in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 37. We do have a parallel experience in gardening. You plant a dead seed, soon there's a flourishing plant. There is no visual likeness between a seed and a plant. You could never guess what a tomato would look like by looking at a tomato seed. Or discern, I guess you could say, a cucumber from a cucumber seed. What we plant in the soil and what grows out of it don't look anything alike. The dead body that we bury in the ground and the resurrection body that comes up from it will be dramatically different. Verse 42, this image of planting a dead seed and raising a live plant is a mere sketch at best, but perhaps it will help in approaching the mystery of the resurrection body. The corpse that's planted is no beauty, but when it's raised, it's glorious. Put in the ground weak, it comes up powerful. The seed sown is natural, the seed grown is supernatural. Same seed, same body, but what a difference from when it went down in physical mortality to when it was raised up in spiritual mortality. Now, Paul's metaphor is pretty sweet. Now, you have to admit, it's pretty cool, but it's not very glamorous, is it? I guess today they'd say it's not very sexy, right? It's just not. It just isn't. You may be thinking right now, Dr. Pruitt, are you saying that in Paul's view, the only value to my life here and now is like a dead seed? To be buried in the ground, to rot and then bloom? Well, how's that supposed to inspire hope? Woohoo, I'm going to be a tomato. Woohoo, I'm going to be a cucumber, right? Who's going to get excited about that? <laughs> right? 
Some of you are thinking the cheeseburger song right about now, aren't you? Well, maybe I can offer another example that God has built into the very fabric of life in living creatures. Not dead plants, living creatures. One that has even been observed on a scientific level. And it's found in the lowly existence of the caterpillar. Now, our tech team's going to run a little time lapse of this process. At a certain point in all caterpillars' lives, after they've eaten a lot of leaves, they hit a certain weight, and the hormones turn on, and they start growing a little shell. It just starts growing from the bottom up. Right? Is that plain? You see that? Look how it's starting to come out from around his head. You're going to notice, too, that as it works its way up his body, it literally peels off his I'm going to say his skin, but really it's just his coat. His, he does not get into this chrysalis with his clothes on. They, they start to peel off. You see that? How it's, you'll notice it. Look at the top of it, how it's starting to curl up in there. What a fantastic process. Now, what I'm talking about in this is known as the chrysalis. And inside that chrysalis is a caterpillar that turns into a butterfly or a moth. It's a wonderful mystery. It really is. I mean... What do you think happens in the chrysalis? See how he's peeling his clothes off? I mean, what do you think happens once he gets inside this thing? Most people have absolutely no idea. But when you take a chrysalis, if you were to take one and slice it open, it's just goo. I mean, it looks like snot. Speaking of snot, I was about a year younger than most of you freshmen, I was traveling, I was playing drums for a group, that Christian group that would travel around singing in churches all across Illinois. And it was a bitterly cold day, maybe right around 20, but the wind was blowing about 30 miles from the north and it, was, it made it feel like four or five degrees. It was just bitter cold. And the trailer was like this, rocking like this. So of course the adults on the trip, they decided, oh, we're gonna have to stop and shift stuff around. So they, they pull over and we have to get out and they get in the trailer and they're moving the gear around. And I'm standing there, and this wind is blowing in my face. I'm thinking, man, that's going to freeze my face. So I turned around. Now the wind's blowing from behind me. My best friend was the guitar player, and he's standing next to me with this little smirky grin on his face. I knew exactly what he was thinking. I was thinking what every guy would be thinking, given the circumstances of the moment. I wonder how far I could spit with this tailwind, right? Ladies, I hate to break it to you, but... If you're ever wondering what guys are thinking when they're just kind of zoned out, it's only one of four or five things. And one of which is, how far can I spit? This could be a world record. It's always a world record, you know. And so the winds howling, I hacked and coughed, brought up the most perfect specimen there was. And I gave it a shot. I mean, it went out of my mouth like a cannon. And God is my witness. is what I could describe as only a freak occurrence. The bass player comes running out from inside the trailer with his arms back like this saying, look at me, I'm flying in the wind. And <laughs> you, you know what happened, right? This loogie hits him right in the earlobe. <laughs> Honest to God, hits him right in the earlobe. We fall on the ground, die in a lab, and he goes, hey, it wasn't that funny. No, it was really funny. Surely, Dr. Bridge, you started to feel really guilty about that and you felt bad. No, I didn't. One, it was a great shot. And two, I couldn't stand that guy. I mean, I mean, I loved him in Jesus, but he was annoying. Bless his heart. I mean, you know, it was just terrible. 
the viscosity and the temperature outside as it began to droop from his ear, it froze. It's hanging right there. He's like, what? What are you guys laughing at? It's just it's dangling from his ear. It was the funniest thing I think I ever saw. Now, right about now, you're wondering, how did we get here? Right? I have no idea. Well, yeah, yeah, I do. Because when you crack open the chrysalis, it just looks like snot. Even after only one day, there's no caterpillar, no body, no legs, no antenna, nothing. It seems that once the caterpillar gets inside its shell, it just, it melts. Somehow this runny goo turns into a butterfly. But how does that happen? As Molly Webster said in a radio broadcast, that's the big, fat, metaphysical, quasi-philosophical question that people have been asking for centuries. Matthew Cobb, a biologist and historian at the University of Manchester, states that in the 1600s, when naturalists saw that goo, they assumed that what happened happens to the what happens to the caterpillar when it enters the chrysalis, it dies, and out of its burial cloth, so to say, comes new life. For Philip Clayton, professor of philosophy at Claremont School of Theology, it was for them a death, as it were, when uh, then a resurrection, they saw it as a kind of spiritual ascent, kind of like Paul's teaching in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any person be in Christ, they are a new creature. Behold, the old passes away and everything becomes new, something like that. It was not a stretch for them to see this as metamorphosis, change from one thing to something completely different. And from there, a symbol or a metaphor for our own lowly earthly bound bodies ascent up to heaven in its own perfect form. Now, that metaphor is pretty inspiring, you'd have to say, but in reality, that level of metamorphosis is so dramatic and extravagant that we have to ask ourselves, if I'm changed that much, then what part of me really even makes it to heaven? I mean, it'd be awful to live in this life, follow after Christ, go through the discipline, the commitment of doing it, then die, wait for the resurrection, and then be resurrected, and it's someone else. It's something totally different than whatever I was. How does that inspire hope? If that change of either the butterfly or my own body is that miraculous, then how is it even me anymore? But we know that it cannot be metamorphosis because if too much changes, then it's, it really is no longer me. How then can that inspire hope? If I'm just completely different and nothing's the same, how does that inspire hope for me right now? Surely my memories and the aspects of my life, that other aspects of my life have to be present. Sure, it's okay if some things change and don't make it. I, I don't have a problem with that. But it cannot all be new if it's to inspire hope. If that is the case, then the caterpillar isn't a good metaphor at all. But according to Martha Weiss, associate professor of biology at Georgetown University, an experiment was conducted in which moths, butterflies, and caterpillars were placed in a container, exposed to a gas that smelled something like fingernail polish remover. So if you ladies ever take your, or guys take your fingernail polish off, then you know kind of what that smells like. It's strong, you know. Well, it didn't bother them necessarily. The, the caterpillars didn't seem to mind. They just kept munching. The butterflies, they just fluttered around, you know, whatever. But they removed the moths, and then they gave the caterpillars a tiny electrical shock. Zap! The experiment was repeated several times. She states, odor, zap. Odor, zap. And it just keeps going on and on. Poor little guys. 
It got to the point where they exposed the caterpillars, to, when they exposed the caterpillars to the gas, they began to retreat. They left their leaf and they began to try to move to the edge of the box and to get away. They wanted to get away. Following this experiment, though, they let the caterpillars pupate. One month later, the moth emerges. They give the moths a whiff of the gas, and the moths also hate the smell. Now, before the experiment, no problem. They take it either, either way. But after this experiment, now it's a big problem for the moths. For these biologists, this was proof that a memory had made it through the goo, through the process of change. Professor Wee states, I think it's amazing that a caterpillar can have an experience Enter its shell, five weeks later, emerge as a seemingly different organism and can still recall experiences that happened to it in its former life. She maintains that even though this is an observable occurrence, they do not fully understand how it is possible. So, you ask, how is it possible? Well, as it turns out, not everything dissolves. It's not metamorphosis at all. Not change from one thing to something completely different. Somewhere in the decay of the caterpillar, something makes it through the process. For Professor Weiss, that something is like a tiny beacon. Beep. Beep. Like, a, like on a radar screen or a sonar screen, just a little blip. Something in the goo. Beep. Moreover, as it turns out, there's other things that seem to make it through the process as well. It's not all goo and decay after all. All right, now I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm like listening to this broadcast. What's about to happen now? What does the butterfly know about its life as a caterpillar? Science can demonstrate that it knows about smells, but what else does it know? I mean, does it know it used to crawl? That it used to have dozens of pairs of legs? That buying shoes was a nightmare? Does it know these things, I wonder? I mean, if it knew what it would become, would it cling to its present existence and cry, I don't want to be a butterfly. I want to look like a slug with legs. I mean, is that what it wants? Well, we don't really know. But Christian believers, let me flip this now into our context. Christian believers often ask me, at least when the subject of the resurrection comes up and heaven comes up, will I be able to remember my life on earth? Will I know the people I cared about? Will I know my family and friends? Now just think of it, if you've ever been to a funeral, what inspired hope in you when a beloved family member died and others had already died? You're thinking, well, now they're together in heaven, right? It, it, it encourages you, but just imagine if, what if that doesn't happen? I mean, without confidence in that, how can my new life in heaven inspire hope in me right now on this side of it? Well, here's the answer. The answer to what? Well, the question, the answer to your question. You think it, Dr. Bruce, since you started, I got about 10 questions now about this subject. No, the question about what carries through, the, the continuity question, from this into that. Well, memories carry through, at least for the caterpillar. Now, as cool as that might seem, there's more. God has built into the fabric of nature an example for us to know that there actually is continuity from this life into the next as well. But we have to see that continuity from the opposite direction. Not looking forward and asking what will it be like, but looking back at something now. Now, are you intrigued? To unlock this mystery, we need one more story about a Dutch physician 
and a naturalist in the 1600s named Jean Schwammerdam. Now, Schwammerdam had made many, he's made many early discoveries in medical science. And if you looked him up, you could, you could read about them. But one day, in front of a crowd in Paris, he took this big, fat, white caterpillar. It had, surely it had to be hand-sized. He picks it up, he holds it up in front of them, turns it on its back, and takes a scalpel, living creature, and he splits it right down the back and peels it open. Puts it under a magnifying lens and invites everybody to come around and look down inside. He shows the gawking crowd of inquiring minds the tiny, super thin, nearly transparent structures of the future butterfly. Its wings, its antennae, even its future legs. They're already being formed inside the caterpillar long before it enters into the chrysalis. Now, in a caterpillar, one can actually observe its future self. You can look and see it if you have the right apparatus. Tightly rolled up and hidden. For Swamadam, this proved that the real miracle does not cause us to see death and decay at all. It's not metamorphosis, but rather to stand in awe of the transformation that's happening on this side of the process. Now, some of you are going to start to get excited about this in just about one minute. Something is changing, transforming on this side in that caterpillar. Now, don't try this at home on yourself. You can't peel back your skin and say, I'm looking for my future self. People are going to think you're high or sick or mentally unstable. (laughs) Remember, I'm using this as a metaphor. All right, so just uh, that's my disclaimer. Uh, this is a metaphor. You can't, can I really see what I'm about to look like? Uh, well, as, as a way to help you see why, I want you to see why our belief in the resurrection of the dead inspires hope. The Apostle Paul states, we have this treasure in jars of clay, in earthen vessels. And again, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. The real wonder of it all is not to ponder what will my future self look like or what carries forward into the future, but to realize what of my future self is in me right now and already growing. Now I want our worship team to come back and start getting ready. We're going to sing that song, Glorious Day, again. Only now we're not going to just think about it when we got saved. That's all metaphorical. Do you realize it's really going to happen We're going to come up out of the grave. Hidden inside the caterpillar, even before its pupation and its time in the chrysalis, is the new creature. It's already being formed inside the caterpillar. The new parts are already there, super thin and transparent. So you see, this isn't about death or decay. Well, there's no hope in that. The hope we seek is not found in these aspects. It's about transformation. The hope for us is this guarantee of transportation, which Paul says, by the way, is why Christ puts the Holy Spirit in you. It's a deposit guaranteeing your future resurrection. Now, I know Luke teaches the Spirit comes to empower us in prophetic speech. Absolutely. But for Paul, the reason the Spirit plants in us is a deposit guaranteeing this event. John puts it this way again, Beloved, now we're children of God and has not yet appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. Has it become clear to you now? The nature of Christ is growing in me and it's growing in you. The new work of Christ is already active in me and it's active in you. 
That's why Paul's so excited about it. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 5, he has to be shouting when he's saying it. Verse 13, we're not keeping quiet on this, not on your life. Just like the psalmist who wrote, I believed and so I said it. We say what we believe and what we believe is that the one who raised up the master Jesus will just as certainly raise us up alive with him. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are like small potatoes compared to the coming goods. The lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more for this than meets the eye. The things we don't see are here today and gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see, the transparent things, now will last forever. Chapter five, somebody needs to start shouting about this time. For instance, we know that when these bodies of ours are taken down like tents and folded away, they will be replaced by resurrection bodies in heaven. God made, not handmade. And we'll never have to relocate our tents again. Sometimes we can hardly wait to move. And so we cried in frustration. Compared to what's coming, living conditions around here seem like a stopover in an unfurnished shack. And we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing. Our true home, our resurrection bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. And finally, in verse 6, that's why we live with such good cheer. You won't see us. No, not drooping down our heads down, dragging our feet. Cramped conditions here don't get us down. They only remind us of the spacious living conditions ahead. It's what we trust in, but don't see that keeps us going and going and going and going. Come on, get up on your feet. Get up on your feet. Come on down. Come on down and let's sing it again. Let's rejoice. Yeah, come on. Good man. Go and put those words up. mic on. There we go. Come on now. Yeah, come on. Think about it. Woo! Yeah. Come on now. Yeah, come on. Think about it. Yeah, Lord. Woo, yeah. But not anymore. Come on now. And I ran out of that grave. Yeah, we are.
yeah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, I do. Come on now. You need to think about it. Come on, think about it. my Lord. Now listen, let me tell you this. Yeah, I ran out of that See, what I'm trying to tell you is this ain't no metaphor. No way. You say, how do you know it's really going to happen? Because I believe it. My faith and my hope is in Christ. And I know whom I have believed in. I'm persuaded that he's able to finish what he promised on that day. So when you go out of this place, I want you to go out with hope. You say, but you don't know my life. Hey, you got hope. Christ is at work right now making your future self. And it won't be long. But we won't just sing about coming out of our grave. We really will. And I want this hope to strengthen you all day long. Lord, bless your people. Let them walk in faith and hope. Let them be filled with the love of God knowing. And let them share this hope with everyone they see today. In Jesus' name. Let's say amen together. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. God bless you. Thank you. Yeah, sing. <laughs>